What is up, everybody? This is Ryan for The Scale Up Show. I have an awesome guest on today. I have a CEO and founder, Brendan Kane, who built his marketplace out from scratch and grew it from $5 million to $100 million in seven years. He's literally one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet and breaks down three revenue streams of a marketplace. Really, really insightful and some things that nobody has ever talked about on this show before. How do you grow like a VC-backed company without taking on investors? Do you want to create a lifestyle business, a performance business, or an empire? How do you scale to an exit without losing your freedom? Those are the questions, and this show is the answer. Welcome, everybody, to the Scale Up Show. This is your host, Ryan Saley, and I have a very special guest with me today. I have Brendan King. Brendan is the co-founder and CEO of Endasta which is the number one platform for selling digital solutions to small businesses. Something really cool about them is they help small business monitor, manage, and build their online reputation. And they're actually working with some, some pretty big media properties as well, including Dow Jones, Hearst Corporation, uh, approaching nine figures this year, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Brendan, happy to have you on the show, man. Well, thanks for having me, Ryan. Uh, yeah, pretty, great to be here. <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> I love it. You're, you're so good-natured and relaxed. Um, my, I aspire to be that way someday, but I don't know if I have too much caffeine or what, what my problem is, but I'll get there, man. I'll get there. So um, <laughs> so we have some context. Let's do a real quick revenue rundown so people understand where you're at in terms of your stage of the journey. So where are you guys at in terms of your ARR? Yeah, so we, um, you know, we're, uh, we're a Canadian company. And so, um, you know, we were reporting in Canadian dollars for a long time. And we've switched over to U.S. dollars this year because of the, you know, most of our business, uh, 86% of our business is in the U.S. So we, we should hit hundred million dollars in uh, uh, ARR this year uh, by the end of the year. It's looking like nice, man. And I, that's I, awesome. That's a huge milestone. You're gonna have a big party when you get uh, there. Yeah, why not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little, a little bit, right? So um, the the cool thing about it too that he didn't disclose is you know they started uh, in what 2015. We're at five million, and so in that seven year period from 5 million to 100 million. So we're definitely going to deconstruct that. Uh, but before we get into that, what's your primary go-to-market strategy for, for revenue growth? So, um, you know, what we do is provide a platform to help anyone that sells uh, technology, so products or services to small businesses. And that plat- platform lets them market, sell, build, and fulfill, and deliver those products. And so our primary um, go-to-market is, is an inbound model. So we... Uh, you know, we've uh, we've got this the sort of the the segmented Salesforce that most people use, kind of like a HubSpot model. So we we generate inbound demand. We also have some outbound SDRs, um, and those leads come in. We qualify the leads. They go to BDRs, business development reps, who close those leads, and then we have what we call account executives that would look after those 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 customers. Uh, so we get the hunters and the farmers and, uh, that's really our primary go to market. So we're a sales led approach. We do have a, it is product led. I mean, you can sign up to Vendasta and use it from a product led aspect. And we do have, you know, a lot of lower ACV customers that can self sign up and use the product themselves that, and some of those graduate into, you know, at the right ACV into a sales led motion, but, uh, that's our, that's our go to market. Okay. Excellent. And so it, cause HubSpot kind of does this a little bit too. And literally I, Yesterday, just interviewed the former VP of sales there who reported to Mark Roberge um, in the early days, right? Yeah. When they had, I think the cool thing is he told me they only had 100 customers when he started. <laughs> no, we just had right? Mark Roberge so, speak at our, uh, we have an event called Conquer Local since COVID. It's been 
it's been uh, you know virtual, but we uh, he we were fortunate enough to have him speak at our event and uh, love Mark Rivers. <laughs> oh, cool. Okay, small world. Well, so do you have a um, on top of the PLG and you said sales? Do you hit it as well from an enterprise component, like a larger deal size where you target specific companies? It's a really funny story. Um, and maybe I could give you the evolution of our company that would would lead because we started enterprise, we came down to mid market, even maybe a little too low, and we're coming back up to enterprise. So I like to call it the smile curve. But, but oh, okay, well let's let's do that once we get through the rundown. I want to do that. We'll we'll hit that. So enterprise to mid market to enterprise. Yeah. I love it. And PLG. Um, so let's finish this up and then let's go through that just so um, people can understand and have some context. So. Can you talk just about what your solution does specifically so they have some context when we go into that in a little bit? Yeah, like I was, you know, so sometimes small businesses, they're time starved, right? They, they only spend about a third of their time practicing their craft, but they need technology to, to operate. And so, you know, really, we want to democratize that technology that those big enterprises can afford for small businesses. That's the reason that people have been asked to get up and come to work every day is to help these small businesses. And the way to help them is to give them access to those products and services that all the vendors have. And the folks that actually implement them. So about 75% of all dollars that get spent on products and services come through some expert. So whether you're a, a website company, a media company, if it's advertising or a, you know, a MSP, a value added reseller, if it's a point of sale system or, you know, G Suite or Microsoft Office, all of those services come through those folks. So we really build the distribution for that. So we connect that channel partner to help them market, sell, fulfill and build, build those services from all those vendors to the small business and give the small business one login, one password, one username, one way to get at all those products. That's what we do. Hey, can you give me an example of some of the products that would be on your site? Yeah, so we started like, um, and that's part of the evolution. We started with those, so what we call foundational products. So uh, reputation management, local listing services, you know, social media management, websites, uh, advertising products. And now we've moved into adjacent areas. So we've got, you know, G Suite, Microsoft Office, point of sale systems, we just signed big commerce for e-commerce. So we got many more products come all the way down to, you know, fulfillment and logistics and all of the things that a small business might need. We're going to provide that whole stack to the SMB. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. So it's, and is it just limited to, well, you said logistics too, but is it primarily SaaS based or is there a range of, of different it, it is SaaS based products and, but it's also services, you know, like for every dollar that a small business spends on a, on a product, they spend at least two and a half dollars to actually implement and, and maintain that thing on an ongoing basis. And for things like Salesforce, it's even bigger than that. I think it's five to one, but, uh, you know, for most products, the small business needs someone to help them maintain those and implement and install. Yeah, yeah, I, I can see that. Um, that's really, so I, I want to dig into that as well, because it's a really unique business model that yeah. you have. Now, um, I know that you're funded, but can you just share with the audience what what series you're in and, um, you know, that, that whole well, situation? Well, we're in Canada, so we've been pretty capital efficient, but we have raised a, a good chunk of change. And, you know, given the current environment, we're fortunate. But the last round was 120 million Canadian, it's about like whatever, 100, 100 and change US. Um, and we did that uh, in the summer uh, of 2021. So um, we're in pretty good shape from that point of view. Uh, altogether, we raised about $160 million. Okay, excellent. Yeah, man, I don't, I don't know if it's something in the air, but there's always patterns with people that I have on my show. Literally, the, the interview I had earlier today from a company called Sion. 
Um, he just got a $93 million round, um, <laughs> like, uh, right, right before things. So this, this is the day of good timing with you guys in terms of getting all that capital before, um, things kind of hit the fan a little bit. So congrats on that. So, so let's talk about your journey, man. And, um, why don't we do this? I think, you know, one of the most important things about a journey is like your journey, mm-hmm. right? Um, so can you give us like, a you know a brief version of your journey in terms of how you got here, and then I'd love to go into your company journey where you started off enterprise, went to mid market, and then now are enterprise plus PLG. Okay, pro- you know I'll talk about myself a little bit. It's probably not that interesting to folks, but I, <laughs> so I'm uh, I'm uh, I, my degree's in physics. So uh, when I graduated university, I was working for a, a uranium company, Eldorado Nuclear, and uh, and uh, it was a three weeks in and three weeks out because it was up north, and on the three weeks out. I've always been kind of an entrepreneur, like in university, I, I had a clothing store. And so on my three weeks out, I ended up starting a business recycling toner cartridges um, and ultimately ended up selling computers. And I, I quit my job, much to my parents' chagrin, and uh, went full time into building this uh, computer store. And, you know, by uh, within two or three years, I think, yeah, three years, we were selling $15 million with computers at a store in Saskatoon and one in Regina. And we ultimately became part of a computer chain. So that was all the way through from 89 to, uh, to 99. And then in 99, I'm watching companies like, you know, Bezos at Amazon. And I'm like, I got to get into this software thing. I didn't want to miss it. And so I went to work for a small company here in Saskatoon uh, called uh, Point Two, which was in the heavy equipment space. They're building things for Caterpillar and John Deere and Komatsu. And then we got bought by, I still got the hat. We got bought by this company called Bid.com, which was uh, Canada's eBay. And uh, it had a billion dollar market cap and they bought 60% of our company. And, uh, you know, that was early 2020 or sorry, early um, uh, 2000, not 2020, <laughs> early 2000. And, and what happened was, is they had us auctioning off. Everyone only cared about top line. So this is, it's a, it's a really weird situation in 2000. And so it was like, they didn't care how much money you lost. And then that summer, the crash happened. And within six weeks, they were out of money and we end up having to try buy our shares back and do consulting work for Caterpillar to make it work. And I didn't really want to do that. So I took the software and built a prototype with a buddy at the, at the company and said, hey, you know, instead of uploading a dozer or a grader, um, you can upload a house and we can give realtors a website that they can control so they don't have to go to, a, you know, a webmaster at the time to change it every time they sold a listing. And so we, we, uh, the CEO said, go for it. And, and by the time I left in 2007, we had 150,000 realtors in 50 countries using this product. No salespeople had about 6,000 paying. So it was truly a product-led thing before that was a thing. And that ended up selling to Yardi, which is an American company that many of you know. And that I still love that product and it's still in use today. So wish I could buy it back from them. <laughs> and, uh, and, then, and, then, and then I started, uh, I started uh, Vendasta. So that's, that's kind of my journey, but it's mixed in with, uh, it's totally mixed in with the company's journey. All right. So let me, let me, let me ask you a couple of quick questions on that. So um, how much did you sell the company to the, um, to bid.com for? Uh, so I was, I just had started working there. So I don't really know the specifics of, they sold 60% of the company to bid.com. So I don't know what the specifics of that deal were, but I, I, I um, and when they sold to Yardi, um, I just left um, to start Bendasta and then they sold to Yardi and I know I got some money. It wasn't enough to retire. I was a shareholder, but I don't know what that, <laughs> I, I don't know ultimately what the price they sold to Yardi was for, but it wasn't enough. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yardi is pretty big. Like I ran into them earlier in my career and it's funny. Um, 
they're real big in the senior living space actually yep. um in some some spaces so yeah. okay so that's cool um love the fact that you you know were able to help people upload a house yeah um, so they didn't have to go through mls my dad was in real estate mm-hmm. so i remember him going through that and how painful it was totally. so um okay so let's let's walk us to to vendasta like you know when did you start the company and um what's that journey been like and and love to hear the story about how you took it from you know, an enterprise to a PLG yep. to, or I should say mid-market, then to enterprise plus PLG type motion, especially because you have a market platform, yeah. it sounds like. Well, I'll try to keep it interesting for you. So so we started Vendasta, it was uh, <laughs> January 2008. And, uh, you know, I, I took a few folks from with me from point two, and we had to survive. So we did some consulting work so we could eat. And in the meantime, so there was eight of us. In the meantime, you know, a couple, three of us built out a, a, a business plan. And we raised some money from a local, you know, Canadian government-backed VC in the summer of August of 2008, about three million bucks, which we've since played back. It's not on our cap table, but we—that's what got us started. And our idea wasn't what it is today. It was no clear path to A and B. Let me tell you, we we were building a we were building a, a platform for homeowners. So it was called My Front Steps, and you could share your home online with your friends and family to get ideas and inspiration about what your house should look like. Um, but ultimately the, the value was that you could find, you know, a plumber, a landscaper, a carpenter, a realtor that your friends had used and trusted. And on the, uh, on the, on the service provider side for all those folks, we had a free tool where you could get your business listed online, could monitor your reputation and you could post on social. And what happened was at that time, you know, now there's Thumbtack and house and all these companies, but people didn't want to share their home on online as much as we thought, but there was this massive demand for this free tool get your business listed and monitor your reputation and publish. So it was making us broke. We had thousands of users all across, uh, across the world and they were signing up at a rapid rate. So we pivoted and basically we said, you know, we want to take this product to, to market to SMBs, but we had worked with realtors before and we knew that the, you know, the, the CAC was pretty high and the LTV is pretty low and it's like herding cats. And so we said, we don't want to sell direct. And that's how we had our white label strategy. We said, Who's already got a, a sunk cost in a sales force and relationships with thousands of SMBs that we could take this product to and get distribution? So that's when we went to uh, to newspaper and, and yellow page companies. Because if you remember in 2008, uh, newspaper revenue was $65 billion. And today, I think it's about 15. That's a pretty steep cliff. The only people that fell off a cliff faster were the yellow page companies. And so we went to them and said, hey, you guys are selling advertising. Do these businesses know about you? We've got listings because the best place to hide a dead body, second page of Google search results. So you got to be found. And then once you're found, you know, they're one click away from a competitor. Nobody wants a one-star plumber. And then after you transact with them, you got to be able to publish. So we said, take these as white label, bundle them with your advertising. And so we did the triple, double, double thing. And that's how we grew. And as we grew those points. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. Stop, stop real quick. Can you, could you went through that so fast? Yeah. And the part that was really intriguing, I think that was super sharp, which is probably where you live the massive growth. What was the thing that tipped you off again to go to directly to the yellow page advertisers? Um, why did you decide to do that? Yeah. So this is the, the this, the concept really, and I, you know, Google really pioneered it. It's called the zero moment of truth. So like before, so this is a very interesting uh, concept. So before, you know, before 2000, like the iPhone came out in 2008. Right. And so before, right, exactly. before that, you know, when people wanted to, 
find a service or they wanted to find a product, they would use the yellow pages or they would, you know, see something in the newspaper or they would look up a company and they would make a call or they would go to that company and those people had a chance to sell them. And so that was called the moment of truth. I spend money on advertising. The moment of truth is when they transact with me or they show up at my door. But what what began to happen and really took off in, in that 2008 timeframe was that it, they're moved to a zero moment of truth, which is like, I want to buy a car or I want to buy a computer. I go online, I do a search, and I make a decision about where I'm going to go or where I'm going to buy even before they've got a chance to sell me. And so that was the concept that we said, like, we've got to go to these folks that have advertising and provide them with what they need to make sure that the advertising works, which is listings to be found online and a good reputation and the ability to post on social. So that was the that was the real you know thing that we discovered. Hello, this is Ryan here. Real quick, if you are enjoying this episode, please hit the subscribe button and leave a comment or review. If you want more help or just want to learn more about what the top SaaS CEOs and founders are doing, check out my website at www.ryanstaley.io. Join my newsletter, check out other free content resources I have there, and let me know if you want to scale your business. Now back to the episode. 2008, uh, it's pretty obvious what was going on with the whole yellow page advertising business, which clear disclosure, that was my first real job, like non-character building job like well, that where, I had in college. Where were you working for? I actually, um, so check this out. I worked for a company called University Directories that sold yellow page advertising to universities like at each university yeah. level. So Northwestern University was mine. So I would like door to door selling to like, check this out. I, <laughs> Evanston, Illinois, there was a company that was like a surfboard company in Evanston, Illinois. I have no idea why they did that. Bought like a thousand dollar ad. It was like fantastic, right? There was like an importing, exporting company from Africa. Um, so anyways, we don't need to go down the random thing, but I know more about yellow page advertising probably than I should, but it was a really good job as like door to door, get your teeth kicked well, in, build the characters. Let me tell you in 2008, like it sounds like that's an obvious thing today, but it was not obvious in 2000, not at all obvious. And so we spent a lot of our time, oh, okay. and that's how we, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to get in front of. Uh, so what Hearst Media Services and Zip Local were our first two customers. Zip Local was a, a, a yellow page company that had a lot of tertiary markets all over the U.S. towns you haven't heard of, Bozeman, Montana, things like that. And uh, and uh, Hearst was a is a big media conglomerate that that owned a bunch of directory companies too. And so we uh, we signed those two first, and uh, Hearst got me in front of, and I still am thankful, and they're still a good customer to this day. Uh, uh, and Jeff Falkmer, this uh, guy at, at, at Local Edge, Hearst, got me in front of all the newspapers. I remember going into New York, into the Hearst building, and it's intimidating. They got the waterfall and the Fourier, and you go up, and got I got in front of all the top sort of 15 or 20 newspapers, so Gannett and McClatchy and all of them, and uh, and ended up pitching and uh, that's really what started us i mean there's a little bit of fortune in there you know we 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 got that those are the enterprise customers that kicked off our 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 our, our company really so so which i think is cool man because that this is like i said you were going so fast through it but that that was like your moment yeah. of truth right where like shit shit really started rolling it sounded like after that so because of that event because you know you worked i imagine 
you busted your butt prior to that. And if you weren't ready for it, your company would have went in a completely different right. direction. Right. So, um, but like, what kind of uptake did that happen from there? Like, so when you went through that, what well, happened? I mean, we had a lot of work to do, right? Like sometimes you're telling the truth a little bit in advance when you're a young company and you're building the product. So, um, you know, we did a lot of work to uh, to get our product to where it needed to be. And that was what we call those foundational products. But early on, I realized that, you know, the companies that were selling our 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 reputation, our listings and our social marketing, they needed more things. So, you know, they needed websites. And now we have, you know, we've built some of those things, but we realized that we couldn't build them all. And we also realized so they so we said we're going to build a marketplace where they can sell the products that we can't build. And we, but even a bigger need was they, they, they didn't have a way to market, sell, fulfill, deliver those products. So that these big companies were, you know, one off going out and finding a product, teaching the sales force how to sell it, provide it to the small business, give them separate usernames and logins. And then to sell another one is really hard. So we said, Hey, we need this platform that can let them do that in a really easy way. And it can let them do best of breed products. And so we built the platform in the marketplace. And that was really a shift from what I would call point solutions to a platform to, well, you know, to a, to a, to a marketplace and now to a full platform. And so that's, that's really sort of the evolution of the company. And as we did that, this is where we started on the enterprise, right? But as we did that, what happened was, is when you build out a platform to market, sell, fulfill, build and deliver, some of these big enterprises like, holy cow, I'm using already Marketo or a Pardot and I've got Salesforce under here and I've got this and I've got that. So they were taking parts of our platform and using them. But there were other people in the market, smaller agencies, you know, um, market like smaller radio, TV, broadcast folks, uh, a, uh, uh, website folks, SEO folks that didn't have that. So they would use our whole platform. So we started to go you know, down market. And once we got down below a certain ACV, we realized, you know, this needs to be product led. And, and, um, and it can't be, it can't be a, you know, a sales, it's harder to be a sales led and supported initiative. And so we started to build that out. And as our platform started to reach more market fit, you know, we've gone back up. And so now we've got agencies coming along to use our entire platform. So they don't need, you know, they, they can use our marketing automation. They don't need one of those other products. They can use our, our, they don't need a different CRM, like a, like a HubSpot CRM. They don't need, um, you know, a Trello or a Monday.com for task management. They don't need uh, some other kind of agency analytic dashboard or something to deliver the stuff to the small business. They can just use our platform. And so we're going back up market. Ah, okay. And so like, what would be, what would you consider an up market client for you then? Like in terms of employees, revenue, yeah, those would be, demographics? Those would be anyone that has a sales force that's more than say 50 or 100 people selling to small businesses. So if they're selling technology, okay. almost any kind, to small businesses, you know, 50 to 100 salespeople or 100 more or more salespeople, they would be they'd be an enterprise customer. And so you get the big broadcast media companies, you get um, big IT companies, big yellow page companies, or what used to be yellow page companies that are not longer. Lots of independent software vendors or ISVs. So uh, those folks um, would fit into that bucket. Okay. What about like payroll and like um, companies that sell like small, medium business payroll services, HR services, would they kind of fall in that bucket? Yeah. Too? So like some of our vendors now, I think we got uh, Jazz HR into our, in, in our marketplace. So, so, you know, we started, so the way we think about it is because we started in the MarTech space, so marketing and advertising, most of the, ch what we call the channel partners that sell that are media companies and website agencies. And as we, then we move across in trust. So, you know, 
well, you wouldn't probably buy banking services from a media company, but you might buy you right. might buy your productivity stuff. So you might buy G Suite or Constant Contact or Microsoft Office. And so we started to move to those stacks. And then as we move, we match them. So if you're, you know, so now we're getting into things like insurance and banking products, and those will have then those sort of channel partners that sell those things as we go through the, the evolution. Okay. Awesome, man. So what would you say, like, I mean, that's an awesome yeah. story and, and really creative, how, how you kind of weave through things. So what would you say is your, your number one single best strategy for, for growing revenue in the company today? Well, it's like a flywheel for us. So the whole ecosystem is there. So, you know, the strategy we have is if you get more channel partners, those channel partners already have small businesses. So it, it gives us more small business customers. And those small business customers, of course, attract more demand from the vendors. They want more products and services. So as we and then so we add more products and service vendors. And as we add more products and service vendors, more channel partners say, oh, man, there's more things I can sell there. So it's it, for us, it's a flywheel, um, you know. More channel partners, more vendors, more SMBs, and that strategy to acquire those is is what you know what really drives it. Does that does that make sense? Okay. Yeah, it does. I mean, it's it's probably it's probably an advanced concept for a lot, though. I mean, it's simple at the surface, but like, so if you were trying to build a marketplace from scratch, which I know you, you kind of talked through how you did that, but like, how would you approach it, knowing everything that oh, you know now, right? Yeah. Like. How would you tactically? Super hard, it? right? Because it's a chicken and an egg problem. So when you got a marketplace in it, yeah, people, people are like, well, what kind of marketplace is that? And the, so the, and the vendor's like, well, you know, you know, do I want to go into a marketplace with nothing in it? So we, so we, we do overcome that with, you know, we put, we put products in there that were sort of, I would say up and comers to start with. And now we're really, you know, we're a lot more um, specific about what vendors we let in our marketplace because our reputation is on the line there so we have a uh, you know a pretty high bar for the quality of those products because our our channel partners and small business customers say you know we depend on you to put the right products in there that that are that are good so that that's the strategy we've taken as a curated bespoke marketplace that we uh, and 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 uh, to layer on that strategy i think you want choice but not too much choice so so you pick a certain category maybe seo you're going to have three tier three at least three vendors in there they're probably not too much more than three but three is the optimum number for the the maximum sales because you want to you know a top tier a mid tier and a low tier depending on what the small business needs so like so so we we kind of try to match that we look for an anchor tenant like a global brand in some cases and then we layer on those three those sort of three tiers and that's how and then we build it out of what those products are to match what our channel partners are good at selling and so we and we slowly move across the stack. So that's really the strategy. Um, what we're going now, that's the bespoke strategy. What we're doing right now is, I mean, you can, you know, we've already got it so that someone could sign up and get an API key and integrate against our marketplace. But in order for us to just open it up like that, we need to have some kind of mechanism to govern um, the reputation of those things that are in there. So we'll, we'll, we're going to have, you know, our own reviews where people, and you know, how long does it take for these guys to deliver and, you know, put those folks that are in a different marketplace in a, in a, in a different way where uh, it's, it's uh, governed by the community versus the, the ones that we curate and, and put in the marketplace. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, no, I think it was good, man. So long story short, just quick rehash. Um, TLDR, right? Products that are upcoming, up, the way you started is, right? You have upcoming products, obviously, to get some momentum. 
Um, and then eventually shift and further curate it, categorize it into three from like high, medium, low. Um, prior to that, though, you want to get an anchor yeah. tenant so that you have kind of that name recognition that other people want to follow. And then you also identify the products that your partners are good at selling um, and then incorporate that you in there. You you nailed it. That's, a, that's the strategy for building the marketplace right. from our perspective. Okay, cool. So that's that's awesome. I mean, it's obviously there's a lot to it and a, a lot to to think through as you're going um, through that methodically. So, what would you say like with having a marketplace? Because I know you mentioned the chicken and the egg, but we're you know you're you're about to hit 100 million. What would you say is like your single biggest challenge right now that you're running into and in growing the company? Well, I mean that has shifted, hasn't it? So like um, obviously. Um, the world was grow, grow, grow um, from 2018 till just uh, this spring. And uh, you've got, you got to get the talent. Um, you know, we're 700 people. We've got uh, 200 people that are on our sort of services side. So I, it's almost a separate company. Um, and then we have 500 people that, you know, are, are part of what we, we call our software company, which, um, you know, 200 would be engineers and the rest would be in the sales and marketing and admin and overhead. And so, uh, the biggest challenge was to get the talent that we needed to like, I think you can only go as fast as your the senior talent on your management team. So for us, you sometimes want someone who's been there, done that. So for them, it's a, you know, everything that needs to be done is a past chapter. So uh, they've read the book before. So it's uh, so finding that talent to grow has, has not always been easy, um, but it's easing up, you know, given the current market uh, conditions, you, you see all what's happening with some of these companies. Uh, you know, I think, we had uh, 670 or so applications in May of 2021. And in May of 2022, I think that went to just under 1,600. So you, you're starting to see the easing up of that, of that labor market. And, uh, but that would have been one of the biggest challenges. Um, but there's, you know, frick, being challenged in life is unavoidable. Losing is a frickin' choice, though. So, you know, it's just being stubborn and uh, making sure that you learn rather than lose. <laughs> so well let's talk outside of that yeah i mean because that is right trying to get the right people involved um and it, there's a whittling yeah. down of that um but like i guess like what do you see with because uh, let's say you're going to hit 100 million what, what's your target for next year then like once you get to no, 100 like we want i want to you know 40 percent growth is is where like so when it was grow 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 you had to really be going if at 100 million dollars you know, to grow 40%, you're adding like a lot of dollars. And so uh, you're adding as many dollars as you, you added in, you know, in, in, a, in multiple years before. So, so 40% growth would be, a, would be a nice organic growth, would be a nice target. So, you know, we're also making some acquisitions, but we're targeting a 40% growth. But it's really not about that anymore. It's more the rule of 40, which I'm sure you're familiar with. And so we want to make sure that, you know, that because um, it's just as important, like, you know, we're going to, our, our, we hope to be break even by mid 2023. And, you know, we've got a lot of money in the bank. We don't need to be there, but that we think is the way to maximize the value of, of our shares. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. So be, um, capital, capital responsible. If yeah. You will, right? Always been um, that. Cause some, you know, it used to be that people <laughs> would run head on into a brick wall, but we've never really been able to do that here in Canada. So back to challenges, raising money, um, is gotten easier in Canada for some growth companies, but it's not like it is in the U.S. Yeah. 
So, so that makes sense. Um, especially at your level, what, what would you say on the revenue side? Cause like, that's what I'm trying to understand too, is like, what kind of revenue inflection points do you hit at that hundred million barrier are, are, you know, and I, like, are you running into pipeline challenges where you don't have enough new opportunities consistently? Is it more on the sales process side? Is it like, it's everybody the, has all those, those kind things. of problems. You show me somebody who says they don't have a pipeline problem and I'll, I think I call bullshit. I mean, you, I obviously you want as much pipeline as you can get and you want to make sure that you're really intentional about it and that you're focused on your ICP. So it's too easy to let, you know, to go fishing for whatever fish jumps in the boat. You got to understand who you're going after and go after those customers. And so that, that, um, you know, who your ICP is really. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, so one thing that I did, um, that helped us, it like doubled our deal size year over year is, um, basically continually apply Pareto's principle to ICP, right? So kept looking at the top 20% and just kept refining that. And then it eventually got to the point where um, there was customers that were too big that we didn't want to take well, that, on, right? Just because distribution. That's hundred percent. Like, because the sales cycle is too long and you might not have the market fit to actually satisfy them the way you can with the other customers. And so you, you got to balance that, right? hundred yeah. percent. Well, it, exactly. You nailed it on that. They, they demanded more. And it was because we got, like, we were, we were trying to take down Walgreens at one point, right? Which is interesting. Cause like, we got Amazon, but we got the Whole Foods division, which was different at the time. But and what we ran is exactly that. The sales cycle was too long. They expected the world, and the margins were way tighter, right? So it's like this: it, it's the not worth it factor, right? That you eventually yeah. run into. So, um, okay, well, Brendan, this was awesome, man. It was great having you on the show. It was it was amazing hearing <laughs> your journey and you know kind of how you made that happen. We're we're up on time, but I, I want everyone to know like where they can find you, where they can find more about Vendasta uh, if they want to tap into the platform and then we'll wrap it sure. up. Sure. Well, um, you can find Vendasta at www.vendasta.com just like it sounds. And uh, you can find me on uh, LinkedIn. Uh, just uh, Brendan King <laughs> is the I got the URL. B R E N D A N Brendan. Not let's go, no, Brandon, no. right? <laughs> uh, all right. <laughs> so we'll on the next episode. Thank you for checking out the Scale Up Show. My mission in life is to help founders and revenue leaders avoid all the pain and suffering in revenue growth so they can flip it and create a life of their own design. So if you enjoyed this show, please like, review, share it on social, and more importantly, just share it with a friend. Share it with someone that you think could learn and benefit from what you heard on today. But the more we get the message out, the more people we could help, the bigger the impact we make, and the bigger the community gets, which helps everybody. So once again, thank you for being a loyal listener. I appreciate you and look forward to seeing you on the next episode.